You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Locked On Cardinals. It is Wednesday, October the 14th. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Uh, I don't want to take up too much of the time today because I have a guest, Hayden Sears, on today. Uh, I'll be sharing our conversation over the next two episodes. So here's part one of my conversations with, conversation with Hayden, um, host of STL Sports Central Twitter and Instagram page. Uh, here's part one of our conversation uh, talking about different moves the Cardinals need to make this offseason for your Wednesday episode. Here's part one. Hope you guys enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Lucas Smith, your host for the show. We've got a special guest for you today. He is the creator of STL Sports Central. It's Hayden C. How are you doing today, Hayden? Doing pretty good. I appreciate you having me on. Of course. I'm happy to have you. And the Cardinal season is over. That's been well documented. But um, 2020 was an odd year for a, a multitude of different reasons. And the, the MLB season was, was weird with the 60 games. But what was your just overall like, like snapshot of what you saw from the Cardinals this season? Well, it was just more of what we've seen in years past. The pitching is there. The defense is there. The base running is there. But they just couldn't get the bats going when they needed them to get going. And that just that seems to be what the team always struggles with year in and year out. Yeah, absolutely. It just seems like, you know, on every, every show I do a show Monday to Friday, and it just seems every show is talking about how lackluster the offense <laughs> was. Yeah. Um, it just seems like I was beating a dead horse and, you know, you, you post a lot of great stats on, on your Twitter page and things like that. So it, it's not that hard to see of how, of how lackluster the offense was. Um, so we got some fan questions we're, we're, we're going to get into in a bit, but before we get into that, why don't you tell, you know, my listeners a little bit about your show or not your show, about your, your, your page and, and what you do in terms of how you follow the Cardinals and what they can get out of following you. Okay. So I basically have a Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook account where I cover everything about the Cardinals and the Blues. I started it uh, around almost four years ago, and it was when I was in eighth grade, and somehow it's grown to be kind of big now. I just got lucky because looking back on what I used to post on Instagram, like two, even two years ago, I just cringed looking at it. So (laughs) I'm just happy to be here. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, I, I, I followed your, your Twitter content a little bit longer than I have your, your Instagram stuff, but I love it. So so keep up the good work. And let's get into Thanks. some of these questions because you got some good questions from your followers on Instagram. Um, some of these are, are pretty basic or pretty broad. Um, let, let's start with some ideal, realistic offseason moves. Um, let, let's, let's start with, with the uh, with the outfit. We got a question coming from, what do you think of signing a bat like Jock Peterson this offseason? Off would Mo even do it? I think with all these questions, it has to be said, this is what we think should happen, and whether or not Mosaic will do it, that's a totally different conversation because he's shown in the past that he's not super aggressive when it comes into offseason signings. What do you think about that concept? Uh, I'm not really too big on Jock Peterson. I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but I'm about 95% sure he has really heavy splits, so I don't really see a, a use for him. And also, when you take into account the full outfield the Cardinals already have, I don't think adding another bat like P- 
Peterson would really help because right. if they're going to add a bat, they need to add a really strong offensive bat from both sides that can hit lefties and righties. And I just don't think Peterson is the answer for the Cardinals outfield. Like, it's already jam-packed out there. You don't need to add another average guy. Right. Yeah, I think you, you, it's almost throwing money at the problem. But one, one name that I have been kind of intrigued with that I, I'm pretty sure is a free agent this offseason, I want to hear your thoughts on it. Um, and I know that he plays for the Astros now, and that, that scandal, the cheating scandal and all that good stuff. But what are your thoughts on, on bringing George Springer in to replace Harrison Bader? And you and I were talking <laughs> a little bit before about Harrison Bader. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the center field situation of maybe bringing in uh, a George Springer type guy to, to play center field? Uh, I'm not sure about that because maybe if it was next year, I'd be open to it. But Fowler is still on the books for this year. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I really like Bader and center. So I'm not really, I'm not really sure where he would go. I really, I really like, um, really like Bader, really like Bader. So All he's right, definitely taking Bader's spot. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that seems to be a hot take because I feel like the, the popular take, especially with the Cardinal offense, is to hate on Harrison Bader. Why do you like Bader so much? Well, really, this year he had his best offensive season. Even with his – he didn't do that well defensively compared to how well he had done in previous years. But if the Cardinals played a full 162-game season this year, Harrison Bader would have had a, a war of three point. Three four, I believe. So, I don't know. His he's not the uh, most consistent guy at the plate, but I think overall he gives you a lot of good value when you factor in his speed, his glove, and what he's been able to do with the bat in twenty twenty. Yeah, I think that for me, I mean, he came up in twenty seventeen or late twenty eighteen, one of the two, and I just think that he just strikes out way too much for my liking. Um, and, I, and I know that we, we've been harping on the fact, or I have been, at least on my show on Twitter, how they gave away the wrong outfielder in <laughs> Randy Rosarena, and he's just been going off. And I got a couple of tweets saying that, you know, you can't compare 12 at-bats or whatever it was that, you know, Rosarena had his first 12 at-bats. He had like three, you know, had eight or nine hits or whatever it was. And, you know, that, that, that trade will, will – the, the success of that trade, or the Martinez trade, when they traded away Rosarena Martinez – to get uh, Liberator, that won't be judged until Liberator has his say because that, that's the the package that the Cardinals got back. But I think that for me, like when I look at Harrison Bader, I think that he, you know, it, it's a lot of, of strikeouts for me. The average is too super low for me. I know the that average isn't everything. There's a bunch of saber metrics and things like that. But I think 2021 is Bader's year. I think that if he's going to prove what he can do for a full 162, 2021 has got to be, you know, that that's as far as his leash can go, in my opinion. I think especially getting a full season starting every day is going to be what he needs to kind of just cement his role because with the, with the shortened season, he didn't really get a chance to like fully prove himself, even though he did really well. So I think 2021 is like maybe a make or break season for Bader if he's going to be on the team long-term. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think 2021 is as far as you can go with him. And we'll stick in the outfield here. And something that I talked about last week on my show, and I got a couple of questions on my Twitter about bringing back Marcelo Zuna. He's doing well in in Atlanta right now. I like this move. I don't know if it'll actually happen, but I like the idea of St. Louis pursuing Ozuna. What do you think? Uh, I think it's a good thought, but I don't really see that happening. I feel like yeah. the two sides are already like, broken off. And I feel like Ozuna is going to get so many lucrative offers this offseason 
that the Cardinals just aren't going to be able to match that or won't want to match that because clearly based on their their internal sabermetrics and their internal evaluation, they don't value Ozuna because they would have they would have kept him or re-signed him if they valued him. So I don't right. I don't see why they would re-sign him after one good year. Yeah, and it's just interesting because Marcelo Zuna was very open and honest about wanting to come back to St. Louis after 2000 and, uh, 2019, after his two years in St. Louis, and they just weren't able to, to come to a deal. And he signed a really team-friendly contract in Atlanta. And th- this is the second year in a row that the Braves have done this. They did this last year with uh, Donaldson, with, with Donaldson, right, to, to team-friendly contract. And Donaldson got paid in the offseason. He signed a, a great four-year deal with, with Minnesota. And I, I think that you're right. I don't know if it will happen. I, I like the idea of it. And I, whenever I, I posted this on my Instagram and uh, somebody commented saying that he's only good w- with good bats around him, which is an interesting point because his best year in Miami, he had Yelich and Stanton hitting around him. And then this year in Atlanta, he's part of a deadly offense. So you got to wonder if he's only good when pitchers have to pitch to him because we saw – you know, he had decent years in St. Louis in 19 and, and uh, 18 and 19, but w- whenever the pitchers didn't have to pitch to him, they just didn't. And they were, they'd throw, throw breaking stuff away and they'd, they'd walk him. And uh, he had good moments in St. Louis, but I, I think for me, that's more of a, of, a, of a good thought more so than anything else. More from Hayden and I coming up in just a moment, but I do want to tell you a little bit about Built Bar. The new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious than before. They've got 18 amazing flavors, including six new flavors. Some of my favorites are. C- Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and carrot cake. My favorites from the 12 originals include raspberry, banana bread, mint brownie, orange, and coconut. Bars are soft and easy to chew, and even better, they're covered 100% in chocolate. But just because they're covered in chocolate, that doesn't mean they're not healthy. They are great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. I'm not on a diet, but they're still great for me, and they help me maintain some weight. All right, now you can go to BuiltBar.com and get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. And go to BuiltBar.com right now to use promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. Promo code LOCKEDON, 20% off at BuiltBar.com. When you look at good thoughts, I feel like one of the good thoughts that came around a lot last year was last offseason was the idea of trading for Arenado, getting him at third base. He was linked to the Cardinals almost all of last offseason. There are moments where it seemed like the deal was going to come the very next day, and it was just a, a roller coaster of emotions for, for me, and I'm sure for you listening to all that stuff. What are your thoughts on do the Cardinals go after Arenado now after another lackluster offensive season for the St. Louis? Um, I hope yes, but I don't really think I don't, I don't really think they will because they have so many options at third base. Well, they have Edmund Carpenter. Um, wait, they don't, they don't have that many options at third, third base. Never mind. But like the Cardinals don't seem like the type of team historically to go after that big market player unless it's like an absolute superstar. Right. And I know Arenado is a superstar, but he is coming off of a kind of slow season. Um, he he had a 76 WRC plus, which means he performed 24% below league average offensively, which you definitely don't want to trade a big package of players and prospects for. Right. Um, 
So I don't know. I think Arenado, the idea of adding Arenado is one I welcome, but the actual reality of what it would take to get him and how well he would actually do with St. Louis is more of a question mark for me. Yeah, I, I agree. Because I think as we've seen with the last number of years, or at least at least this year, of how good Cardinal prospects have gone on to become, when you look at guys like Arozarena and even Luke Voigt, who's had career years with, with, with New York and in the postseasons especially, that might make Mosellock and company and Mike, Michael Gersh, the GM, say, okay, maybe we, we do want to hold on to these packages a little bit longer and, and, and let them develop. Because I feel like, for me, it seems like the Cardinals that have, have missed on Arena and Voigt. I think Arena would have been more clear for me to see his success in Voigt because I think Voigt just exploded in the last couple of years with New York when he didn't really show a lot of signs of that in the major leagues with St. Louis. But I think that with the success of these two former Cardinals and even guys that they traded away to Miami, Magnus Sierra had a couple of big hits in the division series for Miami and Sandy Alcantara, a former Cardinal, was their game one starter in the postseason for, for right. Miami. So I think that looking at these guys having success elsewhere, it's going to make Mosellock and company hold on to the, the, the current prospects a little bit longer. And I, I think a big part of that too, is Arenado's going into his, his final year of his contract. I, I'm pretty sure vesting option or something like that. And the Cardinals historically have shown that they're, that they you know, can trade guys and, and sign them for long-term holiday is one example. And uh, Goldschmidt as well. But there's not a lot of money to go around, especially, like I said, they have Fowler on the books. Carpenter is in a contract as well. And you got to think about guys like Colton Wong, too, because Colton Wong's up for contract. I talked about Wong a couple of days ago on my show. What are your thoughts on the Cardinals either extending him or picking up his option? Or what, are you, what are your thoughts on Colton Wong in general? Uh, he is coming off of a kind of yeah. um, not the best season. But I think long term, he, he provides a lot of value. He's a gold glover. And if he just provides average offensive value, he's just he's an all-star. But I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough call because he's gonna want a big contract. And I'm not sure with the kind of overhaul the Cardinals offense needs, if they're gonna have the flexibility flexi- flexibility to add Wong on a long contract and then make the necessary moves to the rest of the offense to improve it enough to be competitive long term. But I just hope Wong doesn't ask for a blank check um, or that they don't overpay him mm-hmm. because if they overpay him, it's just going to be another contract. We're, we're going to have to wait out because Fowler one is almost over. Miller has one more year. Um, Carpenter's got one left. Yeah, Carpenter's got one yet left. And that's basically the only bad contracts um, we have left. Because once Fowler's gone, they're going to have so much money to sign an outfielder. Yeah, I think the thing with Wong, too, is I think Wong is going to have to realize that if he wants to stay in St. Louis and kind of kind of be for the betterment of the team, he's going to have to take a little bit of a pay cut because uh, he probably could get more money elsewhere uh, based on what teams value. And I'm sure anybody would want a gold glove second baseman because I'm sure he's well on his way to his second gold glove this year. But I think. Because they hit him, they, they experimented him off at the top of the order this year. And I was digging into some stats. I don't have them in front of me, but I read them off on, I think it was Monday's show, that he hit like 392 or some crazy number with runners in scoring position. So my thought process was why not make him more of a, a seven, eight, nine, or even six hole hitter to give him more opportunities to drive runs home? Uh, because, it, you know, like, like you said, it's coming off a down year. 265 is not going to cut it at the top of the order. And the thing that like, boggles my mind about Wong. It seems that when you look at his, his stats going back to, to 2015, they go back every other year. He has good year, bad year, good year, bad year. So it's just kind of a, of a weird thing that Wong does back and yeah. forth. 
um, that maybe next year in 2021 he, he bounces back. But I think that will decide whether whether they pick up the option for $12.5 million or if they work out a more team-friendly contract with him. That will kind of decide what kind of money they have left over for other offseason acquisitions. Yeah, I did the math earlier today, and I think this offseason and next offseason, they have $30 million coming off the books each offseason. So that's going to help them out. But I just looked it up. Wong, he's batting. In 2020, he batted 389 with a 949 OPS with runners in scoring position. So, wow, that's just that's crazy. Yeah, and I feel like for a team that, that overall struggled with that number, that, that wouldn't be a number that I would expect for, from any of the Cardinals with how much of a struggle that was offensively this year. Um, so may, maybe the Cardinals slide him down on the order um, a little bit. But we'll, we'll stick with the infield for, for, this, next, for this next question um, that you came up on your, on your Instagram page, uh, if I could find it. Uh, it talked about trading, might have been mine. It talked about trading for Lindor and moving DeYoung over to third. I don't know how I feel mm. about this for a couple different reasons. I don't know if, if the Cardinals are willing or have the, enough to meet the, the asking price for Lindor. And I don't know if I like DeYoung moving over to third base because of how long it took him to become the elite shortstop he is defensively. What are your initial reactions to possibility of, of trading for Francisco Lindor, who is on the trading block this year? Uh. I like the idea. Um, I've had a chance to kind of dig into his stats deep, but I've heard from some people that he's he's overrated. I'm not sure, though. But I don't know. I think DeYoung would be able to adapt to third base because he played third base in the minor leagues coming up. So I think he'd be able to adjust to that pretty well. But I really think adding Lindor could maybe be the bat, maybe be the bat that the Cardinals need to spice up their offense it gives themselves another dangerous bat besides just Paul Goldschmidt. Um, and it, it would give them that exciting young player with a bunch of speed and a flashy player that the media loves to talk about. The Cardinals right. don't even, haven't had one of those players in forever that like social media actually talks about when they do something in a game. That'd be nice to have. Um, I don't know. I just feel like the Sparky brings like you can't, you can't write that down on a, a stat card. You can't write down the excitement he brings, his swagger, and that just that goes that, that helps out your whole team. It makes them feel better and perform better. I absolutely agree. I feel like that was a big kind of at least thing that I noticed in the San Diego series that the Padres, who were all credit to them, very exciting team. Uh, Tatis stole a lot of you know people's eyes on social media, and he was talked about a lot. They took all the headlines in that series going into it. Uh, I had uh, Javier Reyes of Locked On Padres on my show. We did a little crossover preview. And I was like, that's great. Give them all the headlines. They're, they they're gonna go, they're got all the headlines. They got all the excitement. And the Cardinals made it a series. So, But I, I just think that with the way you know, baseball is talked about today, you, you need those flashy players. You need, you need those big names. And outside of Paul Goldschmidt, Cardinals don't really have any big names that are on the national stage. Um, you know, you, you talk about maybe a guy like Yadier Molina, but that's more so just because of his legacy, maybe not because of his overall talent right now, um, just because of the kind of legacy Molina brings. Um, but yeah, I think Lindor would be a great splash trade. I don't think it'll actually happen. I think a lot of these trades that we're talking about or moves that we're talking about are ideal trades. Uh, and, and the the realisticness of them are probably probably less than what we would like to realize it. it, it that that's what I think anyways that the ability of these trades to actually happen or signings are pretty slim well if you don't talk about trades that aren't going to happen what are you going to do all winter <laughs> right no, exactly, yeah. 